Okay, we're in Genesis chapter 25, and we are at that halfway point now, as Genesis has about 50 chapters, so we're halfway through with the book of Genesis, and I'm excited to see the transitions that are coming here, and as Genesis is a very diverse book, and so if there's one thing that I enjoy, it's diversity, and, and that's the one thing I've always enjoyed about the Word of God, is the fact that it is the most diverse book I have ever uh, read or studied, and so... In chapter 24, we have seen some years transition from chapter 25. We don't know exactly how many. But in chapter 24, Abraham was looking for a bride for his uh, son Isaac. And so Isaac was at, a, was at a certain age of his late 30s, pushing 40. And, and so he sent his, Abraham sent his servant to his homeland of Ur area, the Chaldean uh, Mesopotamia area of Iraq. He sends Eliezer, who is his name, he sends him over there to find a particular uh, bride for his son because he didn't want Eliezer to find anybody in the land of Canaan. So Eliezer, he had uh, some servants come with him with ten camels. And Eliezer prayed that as he as he arrived at this well he said basically lord could if you, if you're willing could you show me who it is that's supposed to come back with me if the woman that uh, offers to to give me a drink as well as my camels well sure enough this beautiful young woman by the name of rebecca shows up and he asks for a drink and she gave him a drink but she does also on her own will went ahead and gathered water for the camels. So then Eliezer had told her the story, met the family, told them the story, and Rebecca decided to go. So Rebecca comes back, and Isaac you know, is introduced to her, and then from there it said that Isaac had loved her and married her. So now we have some years that have gone by, some time has gone by, and now they're with children. They're, they're going to be with children now. They're going to have children. And so we're going to see the uh, the beginning of a of a new dynasty. We're going to be seeing the the story that a lot of us have heard about Jacob and Esau. It's a very interesting story. And again, it's a it's a story of uh, brotherly deceit, I guess. <laughs> and and we've all probably experienced that uh, for those of us that have siblings that have have uh, that we've messed with one another in order to get what we wanted. But this here, unfortunately, this here is going to be a little more on the serious side. This is in regards to uh, inheritance. And so, this this will be a story of the beginning of, of a very interesting interesting transition from the time of Abraham. So now we're coming to the time of the end of Abraham. And now, Isaac... And, and, and his his sons Jacob and Esau, the story starts to turn into into their uh, into their lives a little bit, and and it's amazing. It's amazing what people will do instead of going to God for direction when when certain temptations start to come. You know, instead of using uh, instead of using the brains that He gave us, or better yet, our hearts. We tend to go with our guts a little more. And, and, and going with your gut can be very hit and miss. But when you follow your heart and you seek the Lord, 
There is there is accuracy involved. But what we're going to see today, and what we're going to observe, is is something that was kind of kind of foolish, if you will, <laughs> in order to give up. And and not to not to spoil it if you've never heard the story before. I don't want to give you the whole thing until I read it. But I will say that it is something that that you would have to say and to yourself, like I cannot believe that somebody would do such a thing. But people do all the time. And so we got it. We have to remember. We're going to learn some pretty interesting uh, uh, some uh, lessons here from this particular story. So let's go ahead and take a look at Genesis chapter 25. And I'm going to start us off for, from verse 1 to 11. And it said, Abraham again took a wife, and her name was Keturah. And she bore him Zimran, Jokshan, Medan, Midian, Ishbak, and Shua. And the sons of Midian, Ephron, Epher, Hanak, Abadah, and Eldah, all these were the children of Keturah. And Abraham gave all that he had to Isaac. But Abraham had gifts to the sons of the concubines, which Abraham had, and while he was still living, he sent them eastward, away from Isaac, his son, to the country of the east. This is the sum of the years of Abraham's life which he had lived, 175 years. Then Abraham breathed his last uh, and died in a good old age, an old man full of years, and was gathered to his people. And his son Isaac and Ishmael buried him in the cave of Machpelah, which is before Mamre, in the field of Ephron, the son of Zohar the Hittite, the field which Abraham purchased from the sons of Heth, there Abraham was buried, and Sarah's his wife. And it came to pass, after the death of Abraham, that God blessed his son Isaac, and Isaac dwelt at the beer, at Beer Lahoi Roi. So we're at the point of Abraham's death now. But his legacy was amazing. You know, God allowed him to live a great long life. 175 years old. And, uh, you know, after the flood of Noah, God said that man's days would be 120 years, which has been the, the cutoff point for uh, people's lifespans since then, pretty much. So Abraham was an exception here. And it was found that Abraham's name was mentioned 70 times in the New Testament. So from his time through now, even, the Lord has blessed his name through his wonderful legacy. Now, the blessings and continual of the legacy will go to the son of promise, who was Isaac. And as we see, God continued to bless him with other children. He had Isaac at the age of 99, and when God told him that he would have a son with his wife Sarah as she was 90, Abraham laughed with joy. Well, as we can see, God continued well into his hundreds to have children. And, and so... He allowed Abraham to continue into his hundreds to have children. But God had set apart Isaac for the continual lineage that had been planned here. Through Abraham and then Isaac, the family line of the most influential people in the Bible came from Abraham and Isaac. Okay, from Moses, King David, and the greatest of all, our Lord and Savior, Christ Jesus. But, but as we come to the end of seeing Abraham in the Bible, he did more than most would on earth. God blessed him and delivered him from possible dangers that he got into and, and, and gave him so much on earth. 
He even visited him on a couple of occasions, and the first time it was to make a covenant with him. The other was to deliver the news that he would have a son Isaac with his wife Sarah. So he was a man of faith and obedience and endurance when it came to his walk with God. Endurance because he continued in all the years in strength. And what a wonderful role model. You know, I, I love observing the life of those that God blessed and used. It, it gives us insight of God's likings and favor when those before us have done well in God's eyes. Now, in verses 12 through 18, I'm not going to read that because all that is is the, the names of the genealogy of Ishmael. So all that is is just the the names of the people that were related to Ishmael. Uh, in, in the verses of 12 through 18, it gave the genealogy. So uh, Ishmael was the son of Abraham that Abraham had had with Hagar, who, who was Sarah's handmaiden from Egypt. And so because it's mostly names in these verses, I don't want to butcher them. <laughs> so he li- even he lived to be 137 years old as well. And this was Ishmael. And he was gathered to his people. As, as Ishmael was the father of the Arab people and the Arab nations. But what I'm going to do is we're going to read verses 19 to 23 right now. And so it says, this is the genealogy of Isaac, Abraham's son. Abraham begot Isaac. Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah as wife the daughter of Bethuel, the Syrian of Padan, Aram, the sister of Laban, the Syrian. Now Isaac pleaded with the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord granted his plea, and Rebekah his wife conceived. But the children struggled together within her. And she said, If all is well, why am I like this? So she went to inquire of the Lord, and the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb. Two people shall be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. So Isaac is 40 years old, and Rebekah is unable to bear children. And the interesting thing is is that he shared in a similar life as his father Abraham and mother Sarah. You know, Sarah was also a beautiful woman, as uh, was Rebekah, according to Scripture. And, And Sarah was barren as well, as was Rebekah. But the Lord gave children to both, because there was a divine dynasty to be carried on. Uh, the news had to be interesting. You know, you have twins, but one will be blessed and the other will serve the other. And we're going to see why. But she felt the inner struggle inside of her. Uh, double trouble, I suppose. Uh, there was two children and most likely a struggle or fight within her that she could feel. And, and what God told her was that each would father a nation as a spoiler here. Uh, one would continue in Abraham's promise, but, uh, but would be the continual heir of the land in which is Israel, as the other will be of the Edomite region in Jordan. Now, what's amazing was the sovereign knowledge of God. The things that, uh, that were said were absolutely true. All things known by God, which is why relying on him is vital. You know, for those who have read the Bible, or even a majority of it, it can be seen that what God had predicted came true. In one of my older messages, there was the title, Prophecy Matters. And it does, because it is something that we cannot stop. But it's something that we can prepare for if we're living obediently to God's word. We don't know what God has in store for us each day, but he does, but he does, uh, we can plan for our future, he does. But but he will direct the path if it's in his will. And and we have to be seeking and trusting him for the future as well as as every passing second. 
So let's go ahead and see what transpires from there in verses 24 to 28. So when her days were fulfilled for her to give birth, indeed there were twins in her womb. And the first came out red, and he was like a hairy garment all over. So they called his name Esau. Afterward his brother came out, and his hand took hold of Esau's uh, heel. So he was called Jacob. Isaac was sixty years old when she bore them. So the boys grew, and Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field, but Jacob was a, a, a mild man dwelling in the tents. And Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. So we had some years go by here. It looks like 20 years have gone by until they had their first children. They had twins. And so as they were born, Esau was the firstborn. And they took a look at him and seen that he was hairy, which is what the name means, Esau, as Jacob's name means heel catcher. And even though they were twins, they had very different traits, personalities. Okay, one was the hunter and the outdoorsman, the other one hung out with Rebecca, most likely learned how to cook, as we will see. And because of those traits, one favored the other. But as did God, which we will get to that at one point. See, many have asked, how, how could God show favor to someone over the other? Well, first and foremost, nothing is a surprise to God. He knew the demeanors and choices to come from Esau. Now Isaac and Rebekah had their favorites from a worldly outlook, as where God was seeing the spiritual. You know, J Jacob was a crafty one who could uh, use tactics to, to get what he wanted. And over the years I've heard many put him down because of his demeanor and ways. And when we look at Jacob, we can see a lot of ourselves though, when we were younger I'm sure. You know, the greatest siblings one could have would have been Christ himself if you grew up in the household with him. <laughs> so, but we can see how sibling rivalry has been around since the beginning of time with Cain and Abel. But again, with, with parental favoritism, this was the ingredients for heartache and disaster. You know, as Jacob would be a part of, of the father of Israel's twelve tribes, Esau was the father of the Edomites, and they became the enemies of the country of Israel over a period of years. And it's amazing how a sibling rivalry turned into a geographic rivalry. You know, was Jacob perfect? Absolutely not. But he didn't possess the wickedness that God seen inside of Esau. Now, the start of why Esau was not favored was coming up in the next verses, as we read the last of this chapter in verse 29. In verse 29 to 34. Now Jacob cooked a stew, and Esau came in from the field, and he was weary. And Esau said to Jacob, Please feed me with some of that red stew, for I am weary. Therefore his name was called Edom. But Jacob said, Sell me your birthright as of this day. And Esau said, Look, I am about to die, so what is the birthright to me? Then Jacob said, Swear to me as of this day. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau bread and stew of lentils. Then he ate and drank, arose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. So as I mentioned Jacob being a, a rascal earlier, we see that the reason here. Yet we also see the reason God was not in favor of Esau. See, the birthright was normally given to the firstborn son. And, and technically that was Esau. 
uh, Jacob knew the importance of the birthright and wanted it. And because it, it, because it would give him a double portion of the inheritance as well as putting him as head within the family spiritually. But the actions of Esau were not spiritual whatsoever. His outlook was clear in the scripture. That I'm going to die one day so who cares about the birthright? Well, see, God did as he implemented it. And, and that Esau despised the birthright. And it was a good reason why Jacob would be the chosen one and the blessing of Abraham's dynasty. We've seen the human desires take over, the spiritual desires, quite a bit. And this is a, this is a, was over a bowl of red lentil soup, which is where he got the name Edom. Uh, Edom means red. And the region of Edom that Esau was part of was red. It was very uh, rugged and jagged red rocks everywhere. It was kind of like the area of Sedona in, in, uh, in Arizona, if you've ever been there and seen pictures of it. And when we see what Esau did, what does that do for us? Or what does it do to us? You know, it seems like a common thing for people uh, to give up things spiritually for God, to do the things in the temporary world that we live in. You know, do we hunger for things here in the world? Or will we hunger for more of the Lord? We have a short time on this earth. And going after some of the stuff that we do, has it really done anything for us? Does doing something underhanded for the sake of one's well-being or benefit, is that going to bless us or help us? You know, if we think it will, then God help us for sure. But if, if you want God's help, then may you receive him as Lord and Savior by receiving his son Christ, who died for all men and their sins. See, that's the thing. We, we live in a society that is very common of what we see. We're, we're willing to give up so many things for the sake of our own well-being. Sometimes we're, we're willing to harm others. We're willing to harm ourselves. So, before giving in, I, I, I think it's good to stop and pray. To give it time. You know, to take a, to take a look at the price. The price tag on the spiritual things here that God offers. You know, we, we, we've taken things uh, in today's society. And I, and I think we've made things a little bit worse when it comes to these things. And, and there's no doubt that while, while we're in this body, we're consumed uh, with a sense that we have this hole in our lives that needs to be filled. And we long to fill that hole with any number of material things, experiences, you know, both good and bad. But no matter how much money we make or what kind of pursuits we chase after, that hunger for more still eats away at us. And so the question is always this, where do we go and what do we do with it? You know, this story really does connect with people, with, with us guys especially. You know, we can understand how Esau felt after he came in from a long day in the fields. You know, he'd been hunting and he was tired, hot and famished, I'm sure. But hunger consume, consumed him so much so that his appetite and his desire for immediate gratification, it, it overruled his self-control. And he had no thought for the future. 
and so when we look at when we look at ourselves do we do we t- uh, stop and, and and think and pray do we do we seek the lord in the things that that we should be seeking after which is everything you know, you take the lesson that Esau could have learned. It was important to all of us. You know, we need to view things from a long-term perspective. If we can picture the positive results of, of life as God intended it to be, we would we would be able to give up those things. Those little pleasurable things that threaten us to keep us from, from that eternal life. Because again, for spoiler alert, Esau, Esau's legacy was not that good of a, of a legacy. He, he traded in his birthright. So basically, think, think of think of an inheritance in your family being given to you that you knew was going to be given to you. You have a trust fund that, just waiting for you. But one little certain little thing just caused you to, to to give it up to the sibling who who knew that you were in need of something. And the family legacy and and the family and the family uh, tradition or whatever that, that you have is is now a thing of the past. It is now something that is no longer going to be in your possession due to a worldly thing that was needed. So again, people would think to themselves, like, why would he go and do that? Because he was very typical. I think a lot of people would have typically done such a thing. So I don't want to be too quick to throw stones. Because his primary concern was his physical satisfaction. And again, we need to view things from a long-term perspective. You know, God wants us to picture, to view these positive results as, as in life that God intended us to. You know, it, it'll be, it'll give us to be uh, the ability to give up the the momentary pleasures. In those sinful things that threaten us from that life, from our life here and from our eternal lives. And so it might not be something as silly as maybe some food items, but it could be the slightest little thing. The things that we're willing to give up. So why was God not in favor of Esau? The answer was simple. Esau himself didn't care about the things of God. So what more can be said? We need to take a good hard look at ourselves. And we need to take a, a good look, a hard look at our hearts. And do we say to ourselves, how much of like Esau are we? What are we willing to give up for the sake of a momentary pleasure? You know, our Lord, our Lord gave up so much for us. When he came down here to this earth, he knew what it was like to he knew what it was like to go hungry. He knew what it was like to be without. But even he was able to able to feed five thousand people because he had compassion on them. You know, even he in human form, our Lord Jesus Christ had to thirst. But yet he was able to walk on water. And he too, he too was, 
was destined to die. But he knew he would return three days later. And that's our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who I'm talking about. So if, again, if you want God's help, we must receive his Son, who died for all men and their sins. And you can do so by saying a simple prayer. And the simple prayer is, is acknowledging that, that, that he died for your sins. And receiving him, and you can be in heaven in his glory. The key down here, though, is staying the course. Staying the course to him and growing up in him in all ways. You know, I've said before, do we want to grow old in God to where we just we receive him and we grow old? Or do we want to grow up with God? So as we go through the word of God, we're, we're growing up with God. But I pray that we stay the course in, 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 in obedience and faith and in our daily walks with Him. So if you want to receive the Lord as your Lord and Savior, if you want to have eternal life, there is one simple way that it can be done so. And if it is, it is you praying in faith and praying with truth in your heart of receiving Him. So repeat after me if you feel led. Dear God, please forgive me, Lord. Please forgive me of all of my sins. I confess to you, Lord, that I am a sinner. And I ask, Lord, for you to receive me into your kingdom, Lord, as I receive you into my heart, as my Father, my Lord, and my Savior. And Lord, again, I ask you to cleanse me and wash me of my sins, Lord. And Father, I love you. I receive you as my Father and Lord. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. Well, again, as we go through each chapter, may we see the many things that God does. Because every single, every single book, every single chapter is like a fresh form of manna. It's fresh bread to our souls. So I pray that you'll be able to see that, that you'll be able to take it in. May you seek Him in all things, and may you be blessed in all ways. May God keep and bless you always.